Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers. And I'm Andrea Willits. Together, we're disrupting the trance of unworthiness and guiding women to reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Today's episode is about the inquiry, what is love? Stay tuned for some hilarious laughter with me and Monica, as we literally are bitten in the ass with the obvious. More to be revealed. So, Monica, we're talking about a big subject today, right? Yeah, we're talking about love. <laughs> <laughs> love boat. Yeah. We'll take you on the tour. <laughs> What's starting to actually get scary, not to digress too much, but is that all of those shows are like no longer resonate for people anymore. They're like, what's the love boat? What's like, it's right? true. what's three's company? What's <laughs> what? Like, what's the Brady bunch? Like, yeah. Really? No, yeah. You don't know. Right. I, I know. love it. Just ages us. It does. And one of the reasons why I always tell you, you've got to watch Gilmore girls is because this mother daughter, they always reference to the oldie, but goodies. Oh my God. Right. I love that. And so, you know, it's just always cracks me up. Yeah. So, what is love? So you and I were working on our course, Loving Yourself Well, remember? Right. We, were we were reviewing it recently, kind of like, you know, looking at all the modules, kind of like, you know, where can we beef things up, right? Where can we really like expand conversations and, you Dig know, deeper, yeah, right? just enrich the material. And then suddenly it hit us like the Oracle of the Obvious. <laughs> it was like, well, what is love? Yeah, it's like, it was like well, wait, where's our module on what is love? We we don't. It was just like, duh. I know. It was like, oh, could have had a V eight. Yeah. I mean, it hit us so square in the eye, right? Like, oh, that's a good question, right? Yeah. And it's super love? subjective, right? It's like, so we put it out to our group call. Remember that? That was really interesting. Yeah. We put it on, yeah, we were kind of like, let's explore this because it, it does mean different things for different people. You know, it might actually be interesting to start out with the Webster kind of yeah, dictionary, check that out. you know, but, you know, I also think about what is the opposite of love. Yeah. You know, I would say like hatred is an absence right. of love. I finally became aware that there are different opinions of what love looks like was actually when what it looks like or what it is no what it actually what it is for different people how it's interpreted how what someone may think is love versus what someone else thinks is love yeah. or how it feels to receive someone that's loving you and it may not feel loving to you, but coming from them, they think it is loving, you know? Yeah, so I'll yeah. use my own example of that. Like when I was married, oh, my husband loved me, loved me so much that it I couldn't breathe at times. Mm -hmm. 
and his love language was to provide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a, a great provider. So for me, I found myself incredibly lonely in my marriage. Because it wasn't your love language. His language wasn't your love language. Right. So I was wanting more of the emotional presence. Yeah. And I was very lonely. And when I told him that, you know, I wasn't happy and he said, well, I love you so much. And that's when I started tuning into to be loved is actually not enough. Mm -hmm. It's well, how are you going about loving me as in a verb Mm -hmm. versus the noun, Mm -hmm. right? Like, or the adjective, it's like, really the verb, right? There's motion to it. There's movement to it. There's action to it. So, and his action would then be through buying me things. Yeah. It's interesting. You say there's emotion to it. There's actually also a stillness to it. There's a resting into it. Absolutely right. So it is really interesting interesting because it's, there is a very kind of like love is, is this really expansive dynamic and, profound experience adventure it's actually one of the most I think fascinating human experiences to explore in energies right it is an energy yeah I think what's as I'm listening to you for me I need there I need there to be a presence Mm -hmm. a presence to it And, you know, and I love what you're saying about, yeah, it doesn't have to have like this rigor to it, but there's Sammy voting your dog about love, but there is a presence to it, even if it's in that quiet, but you can, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. You can absolutely, I think in many cases, feel the presence of love. Yeah. So. So here's the, here's the definition. Okay. So the definition of love, an intense feeling of deep affection. The second definition, and, and then it's giving synonyms for deep affection, fondness, tenderness, warmth, intimacy, attachment, endearment. There's also the second definition is a great interest and pleasure in something. And then the synonyms are liking, weakness, partiality. <laughs> These are interesting. Leaning, proclivity, inclination, disposition. That's interesting. And then as a verb, it's a feel a deep romantic or sexual attachment to someone. Isn't that fascinating? Well, it's fascinating because these all feel like such shallow definitions of it for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. kind of reading them, I'm kind of like, wow. And then there's something else that, you know, how on Google it's like, what's the best definition of love? As if like that's subjective. Love is a variety of feelings, emotions, and attitude. For some, love is more than just being interested physically in someone. It's an emotional attachment. Again, interesting. Oh, attachment's interesting too. Love is more of a feeling that a person feels for another person. The basic meaning of love is to feel more than liking. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Love is more than lack. Oh boy. Yeah. So this is where we can explore what it is for others 
what it is for us, what is love language? You know, when, when I first heard that term, I, I was kind of like eye rolling, like love language, really. But then I started to really notice how different. Oh, Austin and I have so, such different love languages. It's like, I don't even know if I have my... I was going to say, do you? what is your love language? Do you know? Well, I know. I'm kind of like, who? I don't think I know mine. But I know his. <laughs> his is like, he is present. You know, he's always doing for others. So yeah, he is just very demonstrative, right? Like he's just of service. He is in the he service is. of love. And he is that way with everyone he is I mean I've witnessed it right he loves to do for people it's actually it fills him that gives him pleasure it doesn't gives it him deep pleasure to serve others and he's so I mean this man never stops he's always kind of working in the background to make everything work out it is a profoundly special quality that he has and it's real it's genuine I've been on the receiving end remember when I said that I thought I had a urinary tract infection he didn't go out and just get one bottle of cranberry juice by the way like a variety he did he got like three without even being asked no exactly right I mean he's just so thoughtful and I've learned over the years that it truly is his love language and it he does it from a place that feeds him as well. It's not just this like, I need to do this for her to be like the knight in shining armor. It's no, like, it's no, genuine. I can actually do this for her. Yeah. Here, try this out. Do this. This will be great. Yeah. Yeah. Really kind and generous. Yeah. And mine, you know, I don't know. So what are the kind of typical ones? I don't know enough about love language, I guess, in terms of like how to look at it through that lens. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not claiming to be an expert, but from my own experience, I would say some people's love language is touch. Some people's love language is money as a provider. Some people's love language is food. My love language, I love people through preparing food, slinging food. Like I love to do that. Another love language of mine is creating beauty. Like when I have company over or even for myself, quite frankly, like lighting the candles, having fresh flowers in the house, creating beauty outside. That's a love language. Okay. So again, on Google, these are the five love languages that they're saying. Okay, great. Word of affirmation. To acknowledge others. So in this one, it says actions don't always speak louder than words. If this is your love language, unsolicited compliments mean the world to you. Hearing the words, I love you are important. Hearing the reasons behind that love send your spirits skyward. Insults can leave you shattered and are not easily forgotten. You thrive on hearing kind and encouraging words that build you up. Interesting. Acts of service is the second one, which would be, I think, Austin, right? Like I do. I think that's great. Can helping with homework really be an expression of love? Absolutely. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities, weighing on an acts of service person will speak volumes. The words he or she most wants to hear is let me do that for you. Interesting. Huh. Receiving gifts is the third one. Don't mistake this love language for materialism. The receiver of gifts thrives on the love, thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. If you speak this language, the perfect gift or gesture shows that you are known 
you are cared for and you are prized above whatever was sacrificed to bring the gift to you. A missed birthday or a hasty, thoughtless gift would be disastrous. Oh my God, and I'm so not a birthday person, which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Quality time. You know what? That might be mine. Mm -hmm. Quality time is one. In quality time, nothing says I love you like full, undivided attention. I think that's what you were pointing to, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Being there for this type of person is critical, but really being there with the TV off, fork and knife down. (laughs) I think at one point I even said to Austin, like, I remember recently he was kind of like moving around the kitchen. I was talking to him about something that was really important to me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait till you're done. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And he like turned and like stood and then I finished. But yeah, I think, I think that's it for me. It's yeah, it's quality yeah. time. And then the, what you said, physical touch, a person whose primary language is physical touch is not surprisingly very touchy. And you know what? I'm somewhat physical touch. Like I love though. It's not I'm more affectionate touching. Right. Like I love to like touch my friend's hair or my husband's back or, you know, to just give people a squeeze. So I think probably quality time and physical touch, but you know, to some degree, we all use these. I think it's kind of like which one kind of feels like the requirement. How do you like to receive love? It really is through that presence, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think I appreciated how much I love the service love you know, until Austin came along, because he just, it's almost like he makes everything easy and not because, okay, so here's the difference. It's like, he's not making it easy in a way that leaves him the martyr or resentful or anything. It actually is also what I've realized. Is it actually for him also feels so satisfying yeah it feeds him it feeds him yeah yeah and and I think that you know there's just so much to be said for you know having the the experience with him like I'm trying to think out loud like how do I kind of I think when he is really struggling, like I, I think if I were to kind of think what what is it that I bring him, it it is that presence. He loves, I think, and part of for me is I'm so distracted all the time until I'm not. And when I offer somebody my full presence, I am right there. And I think that that means the world to him is that yeah. when he needs me to kind of really be there that I am and that I'm fully 100% there and that I see him and I yeah see him also in all of his doings in all of his service does that make sense total sense and so there is kind of this interesting thing because we both have these love languages but I think that how we express them and how we each receive them and see each other in them also really works absolutely Yeah. And then there's because a lot of people will say like love is what the world needs now. Like we all need to really kind of return to love. So what is that? That's yeah. What do you think people mean by that? I I think it's acceptance. I think it's acceptance. I think it's I see you and you see me. We're different. And yet 
what comes to me is we need each other. <laughs> like there's something about that acceptance of difference and yet we're the same. Well, what I love what you're pointing to is this idea that actually when we're not in love, we're separate right? We are separated from each other. And the distance creates almost like an inability to see the commonalities. Yeah. And so instead distance, I would say disconnect, right? Is that when you say distance, do you mean the disconnect? Or are you talking well, both. about okay. both? You know, okay. I think any of those words separate, distant, isolated, you know, all of those kind of come into play when we're able to look at another person and not see that we're connected, right? That we're actually interconnected, that we, when we cannot see ourselves in another human being, right? Yeah. It is where all the isms come in. Yeah. It's like the, the racism, the sexism, to know that they actually have the same needs on a human level. Yeah, the same consideration, right? You know, I think this is it. It's everybody. This is one thing that I feel is fair to say, that Every living human being wants to be loved. Oh, yeah. And belong. Yes. Well, and it, it love and belonging, I think, are really closely related. They're very closely related. Which makes me think a lot about, you know, why we are really so passionate about women coming back to themselves for the self-love you know, and learning how to love themselves, belong to themselves, right? Where they don't themselves. abandon themselves. We talk about that, right? So we talk about for a woman to be able to identify even their experience of themselves is that if they're experiencing a lot of anxiety, depression, frustration, the fear, confusion, overwhelm, right? Apathy, aggravation, right? loneliness, mm -hmm. that those things are symptoms, all symptomatic, exactly, that they're separating mm -hmm. from themselves, mm -hmm. right? And so when we do that, and we, we've talked a lot about spirit, separating from truth from spirit, then there can be no love, mm -hmm. right? They're not feeling the love with themselves. So I think it's right. There's an absence of love. But I love what you were just saying, because there's some really kind of like powerful truths about love in terms of other words that it kind of hangs out with or other allies almost, yeah, if you will, right? that support like, it, right? Like if love was like a troop of, Seriously, you know, yeah. of distinctions. Truth would be close by trust would be close by, right? So it's also looking at love that way and kind of unpacking it. I feel unconditional like. Unconditional is a word, right, that comes up because if it's conditional, it's actually not love. Yeah. Which I always find it interesting that people talk about conditional versus unconditional. And I guess it's a way to measure, right? Is love well, really present? that's where I would say that my husband and I had that disagreement of his love was was conditional. Mm -hmm. He would be someone that would say there are absolutely conditions to loving. He would say that. He would say that. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. I expect, I demand respect, oh, by the way. Yeah. And that for him is partnered with love. That's an ally for him. 
Fascinating. I demand respect. That you know? was my husband too. He was big into respect. Yeah. yeah. And that's it, right? And we can say in that broad generalization of the masculine that that tends to go hand in hand. It does. Women want to be cherished and men want to be respected. Again, I am stating that that's a generalization, but there's some real synergy with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. remember when someone said that to me one time and I was like, hmm, yeah, that resonates. That makes sense to me, actually. Mm. Right. I think cherish is a really beautiful word. Mm-hmm. And there's that presence again. I think it resonates with me in if I'm being cherished, right? There's a, it's not an ownership, right? There's a cherish. It's like the word precious. You know, there's this like soft, open handed, like holding and seeing and knowing. I'm over here like struggling with that women, you know, want to be cherished and men want to be respected. I'm wondering if it isn't the opposite way around. Oh, I love that (laughs) all day long, right? You know, there's like, because I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, when it comes to feeling seen, I would also like for me, that's the most important thing is to feel to feel seen by people to feel known by people. And, and that that actually kind of feels like somebody respects, right? Respects me enough to see me, right? Like there's, it's interesting as we start to kind of really like reveal like I know love and kind yeah. of what shows up. But for me, again, I'm kind of like, God cherished. Yes. And then there's also kind of this really, I'm feeling like this, this very important energy showing up around women and really kind of in the language of love and kind of like, I am the first example of how the world is to be in relationship with me kind of thing. Like the the women who are coming saying like, you know, I'm not going to tolerate, you know, being objectified, disrespected, you know, it's, it's not enough for you to, you know, sorry is a word, you know, like just clean it up. Right. Like wake up, (laughs) you know, there's so many women who are, who are opting to be to live in the world single, you know, because there's just such a absence of feeling seen or respected or known. A disconnect again, right? Of what is the hunger? What is it to actually be connected to someone, to really see someone for them, not for what they can do for you or how they make you look or make you feel, right? How... So, I mean, that's what I experienced. I've experienced a lot in my history of codependence, okay? So the perfect formula was that I would be attracted to a super independent person, and I'm very independent, yet I'm also very giving and very instinctual about what their needs are, and in my old way of assuring my acceptance and being liked, being loved, right? That I became just so skilled at that, reading Mm -hmm. other people's needs, Mm -hmm. right? And really cut myself off 
from connecting in a relationship with a man with choosing someone that would even consider what my needs might be. Mm -hmm. So it was just the perfect recipe to attach myself oftentimes to workaholics, by the way, that then looked to me to regenerate, to fuel, to have them feel loved and cared for and nourished before then they would go off again, right? So there was that perfect like give, give, give from me, they receive, receive, receive. And none of this, like I call it folding in Mm -hmm. and this, that, that infinity symbol, right? Where it's that figure eight where both are feeding into a third entity, right? Like there it is. So, Uh, so you're talking when you talk about the third entity, like, one of the things I love when we talk about relationships is like we're, we look at them as a system, right? And it and there's when you as an individual are, you know, joining, deciding to kind of like whether you're somebody who's going to l- be in a living arrangement together, you're in a committed relationship, right? It becomes a system. And then if you grow that system into a family, right? It's like, what is the system kind of need to thrive. Right. So if I'm coaching, Mm -hmm. okay, more than one person, doesn't matter how many people they are, there are, there becomes an entity that they are all contributing to Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. relationship entity. And it truly has a life of its own. And as a coach, what's really cool, and the way for people to wrap their head around it is... I will say I'm coaching the system, what the two of you are creating. So as Jane may be saying, I need more communication. You know, I'm feeling really frustrated. And then Fran may be saying, well, I'm needing more quiet time and downtime and creative time where I can, right? I will actually not go to Jane or go to Fran. I'll say, so what I'm hearing, the system actually is reflecting something around, wow, let's deepen our communication and let's give some space to this relationship as well, right? It's so cool because it takes the heat off the coach and it's reflecting what the two of those people are responsible for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what they're co-creating. Mm-hmm. So love, right? If we were to speak to the system as how loving is that system? What is it wanting more of and needing more from the responsible parties to really respect that and to help it flourish and grow and serve, right? Right. Is and that- it's, it's, well, it's interesting because what's now getting revealed is that oftentimes there's kind of one partner right because this isn't about just male and female this is like any kind of partnership really and again like as we kind of continue to unpack love I am a big believer that love is love is love like you know I'm seeing more and more how you know we're really going we're really moving into this fluidity of love where a lot of a lot of this is where a lot of the consciousness is going and of course we're getting a lot of fear coming up because a lot of fear you know as as the categories right as the non-traditional kind of love starts to surface in people you know human beings all over the 
world are saying, you know, stop putting me in a bucket. I refuse to be categorized or labeled and you're not to label or categorize my love and what's acceptable or what's not acceptable. But to go back to what we were saying, you know, kind of it's really interesting because oftentimes there's one partner kind of doing the bulk of the relationship, the relationshiping, right? And it's really there's a big disharmony, right, happening in the relationship because and this is where I find that a lot of couples end up kind of falling out of love or that there starts to build something else that kind of starts to separate them and then no longer are they sexually attracted to one another and all of that. And a lot of people that we can talk about intimacy also because there's a place for it with love. And it goes back to kind of what I was talking about, this feeling seen and known thing, right? That I do think we're all hungering for in terms of that kind of origin of connection with somebody. It's like, oh my God, he gets me or she gets me. And there's this, even with women, I think of some of my earliest relationships, some of my closest relationships And actually, my first kiss was with a woman, a girl, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was, God, I think I was 12, 11 or 12. And I didn't, it was so interesting. Like, I didn't make it mean anything about me. I knew I shouldn't be talking to my mom about it or anything. But (laughs) I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. It felt like the most natural thing in the world. You know what I mean? And that exploration. But I used to dive into my relationship with other girls just loving them right just love pure love like just this like immediate like love fast right it was just a girl crush like I had so many girl crushes way before boy crushes interesting and I had completely the opposite yeah really I didn't have very many girlfriends when I was younger Mm mm-hmm I hung out with boys. I was a bit of a tomboy well, as well. Tomboy. I know. And yeah. you said, but I also, I think, felt safer with mm-hmm. boys than mm-hmm. I did girls. I, yeah, I had a bit of that too. Like, I think it's interesting. There was a definite switch off point for me. I felt like my brother, who was like my Irish twin, he was kind of my ally in a lot of things. And and again, like I was a tomboy. I wanted to dress like him. Like I was proud when people would be like, hey, nice boys, nice looking boys, because my, <laughs> my mom cut off my my hair at one point and I looked so much like my brother it was the only reason I liked I eventually started to like my short hair was because it was associated with me looking like my brother I love it and I love to think that like people thought we were brothers versus yeah. sister and brother so funny but then you know as I got into kind of more of that grade school I guess like fifth sixth seventh eighth you know it started to be kind of less acceptable for mm. me to have boyfriends it was more acceptable when I got into high school and by that time I wasn't trusting females anyway because frankly I feel like that's where the training ground comes in pretty heavy is like sixth seventh and eighth grade for girls yeah Yeah. oh very similar same I actually had didn't have like boyfriends as in boy crush boyfriends I had a couple but I hung around about five guys and they were they were my hood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we hiked, we listened to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, like, right. I mean, you know, America, like <laughs> we would listen to music. How old were you? This is starting in eighth, ninth and tenth. Yeah. These and was guys this at boarding school. 
I didn't go to boarding school until 11th. It was only uh, my 11th and 12th grade. Okay. And then that's when girls, I started figuring out the value of a girlfriend. Mm. So before that, I mean, I was really pretty like on the outside, a lot of bullying in elementary school. And it wasn't until I moved physically to another town that then in middle school, people were interested in me and things were changing, but I still was really kind of not trusting the females Mm -hmm. hanging out, but not really anybody close. And then, but these guys, they're really actually a really great group of guys and I'm still close with one of them. I mean, we talk maybe once a year, but fond fond memories and Mm -hmm. like we're really into music and hiking and you know hanging out and just it was great and then it was when I went to boarding school my junior year and I'm living in a dorm of girls Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like I was in the environment it was forced in a way right yeah and man some really close girls that I'm still very close with to this day that was the shift for me. And I'm like, hey, oh my gosh, pay a- attention. Like girlfriends, they're the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be. They can be. It took me a long time to trust women again enough to, and here's the truth, to trust myself again, to be able to. Yeah, right. Yeah, to be able to really trust women, to trust myself that I could be with other women so you have to be liking yourself. You, well, you right? have to. You have to. You have to at least be liking yourself to be able to do that. And it's interesting. Maybe it's a love hate. I don't know because well, I think I had a love hate for myself back then in those years. Well, it's interesting, right? Because where I was going to head with this is it really also kind of brings us into like, well, what was your experience of love in your home? What wow, was the origin right? of love yeah. like for you? You know, it, in terms of like. What was its presence in your home? How was it modeled? What? Yeah, it was confusing a bit for me because... I mean, what a great word because I would say the same thing. It was confusing for me. Like, you know, in terms of like, what is love? It was really very confusing. Yeah. And I think that a lot of women out there might be nodding their heads right about now because unless things were just really clear and modeled pretty beautifully. It can be really confusing. I would say that that would be a dominant, I'm guessing that that would have been a dominant experience for a lot of people. Yeah, because you can have it modeled for you. Like my mother and my biological mother and my stepfather, they did a really beautiful job modeling love, love between the two of them. And They did a hell of a job, nine children, blended family, all under one roof, right? And they really did love up, make us all feel loved, like equally, which I use that word, which is a funny term, right? But as children, am I the favorite? Mm. Oh, you're the favorite? Mm -hmm. Like, who's the favorite? I mean, right? There's that dynamic. I think we all really felt their love. Inside that system, though, there was some messed up stuff. And so that may not feel, that may really confuse what love is, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's 
Ideally, we want to feel safe inside our family. We want there to be... We want to feel seen inside our family. Yeah, we want to be seen. We do want to feel that we belong and that we're special, right? And yet it's very complicated. It is very complicated. And then you throw in something like, you know, alcohol or addictions and it was guaranteed to be confusing. Yeah. Secrets. I, there are secrets. Yeah. Right? It's fascinating. So at that stage, as a child, for all of us, like you said, it's we're so impressionable. We don't have the capability of processing. Well, we don't have reference points. Exactly. You know, right? like our reference points are... Usually, you know, our friends' families, if we're, if we stay, you know, I had a friend down the street, if I was to stay or go and play it, that was like a very kind of frequent, right? Like association is one of my still to this day, you know, since I was three years old, even after losing touch with her for over 20 years, you know, but really realizing in a lot of ways how similar our family dynamics were. But it's interesting, right, when you when you also think about the environments that we're born into, which I truly believe often are the perfectly imperfect place for us to develop into the humans where that we're supposed to become. It's like, I really don't believe that we Okay, let me back up and say, I think a lot of us would say that, gosh, like, why that family, right? Like, you know, of all of like, are these my people? Really? You right, know, like, right. we can't, oh, I always say you can always choose your tribe. Right. Like, and and it's interesting, because like, out of my family, you know, like my whole family, it's like, do I love them all? Yes, absolutely. Right? Like, there's this resolute kind of love that yes. like, there's the love that binds us as family. Yes. yes. And then there's kind of the love that's like, mm, you know, if we were to meet on the right. street, would I be friends with you even? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, like that that I actually do have some, you know, relations that are really tough. They're, t- they're tough. Yeah. They're tough. The other thing that's coming to me listening to you is that, so there's an expectation of what love is, right? And we're told actually what love is. And then I'm thinking about all the storybooks that I read. It's just assumed, isn't it? This is what love is. So this is it. This is what you're going to do. This is how you live with it. This is how you act it out. And this is how you are with your family. Well, I think too, I want to make sure because there's love and then there's romance. And actually, I call romance the trance, but we'll get into that another day. But I think I think it is important to at least lift up the lid of that Pandora box here because Monica in my training I bought into that romance was love for me oh god there's no doubt I I don't think any girl any girl doesn't buy in at some level I think it's it's why kind of when real life kind of shows up, we're all so damn disappointed. It's like we're what? so disappointed. But right? Where <laughs> is the white horse? But where, I, right, right. But that's where I love. I have to circle back to I love where you went with. Yeah, I made the statement women, you know, want to be cherished and men want to be respected. And when you flipped it. It's like, oh, 
That's a good one, right? Because, you know, I just want to say here for our listeners that we are not saying we have the answer on what love is for you. I think it's really personal. And I think this is a huge, huge topic. And to really consider, like this really deserves some serious processing and airtime and consideration of how do you want to be loved and the relationship that you're inside if you're in one right now, whether it's with a woman or I mean, I look at, I'll use you as an example, Monica, like, you've taught me so much about love. What have I taught you about love? I'm like, let's put her on the spot. I think what you are teaching me about love is truly the unconditional piece. It's the, we're going to stay no matter what. And it's, so I said that one of the things that for me, the way I want to receive love is that someone really sees me and is present to me. So, you know, the other day when we were driving in the car from that meeting and I was describing a situation with someone and talking about like how I might have disappointed her or, you know, what was hard for me. And you all of a sudden said this, said this sentence to me about me. And I never heard anyone be able to articulate so well in such clear truth of how they saw me Mm -hmm. and how I am in my life and in my own like spirit of self. Yeah. I said, you can't pin a butterfly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it, it took my breath away and I was like, holy shit. Like she so gets me. Yeah. Like in a way of like, she really gets me. And it was it was such a I can't tell you how much it meant to me. And so yeah, it's that it's that depth of witnessing. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. That depth. Well, okay, so you're bringing up a great word, right? Is the depth of witnessing. And here's what I'm going to assert. Not that it's true. But that what's coming up for me is that Love, a component of love, is the witnessing of someone. And I'm not talking about witnessing in a religious way. I'm talking about witnessing in a, like, just taking you all in. Yeah. Like, just being with you on, like, the It's selfless. And it's selfless, by the way. Yeah, there's no agenda in the witnessing. There's no agenda in it. It's a presence it's an open handed curiosity that's kind of always there that allows somebody to have the space almost like when you are, you know, planting the seeds right in a pot. It's like, is the container too small for this person? And the person I think who's doing the witnessing in both sides of the relationship keeps expanding the pot so that the relationship and the person themselves can continue to grow into the container that's being held. And I think that there's this beautiful kind of like, that's kind of the activism of love. It's always growing and moving and expanding beyond the container. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, and I think what you're pointing to is love that's conditional. We start, we outgrow the container. Yeah. It, when it's conditional, like the person may feel they can't breathe. Oh, they can't shine too brightly or else. Oh yeah. They're, they stay small to meet that person for fear of, and dot, dot, dot. In fact, if there's something, you know, again, I know we're not really talking about relationship, but I do want to point out that a lot of women will stay small in a relationship and almost like not choose deliberately not to self-develop. I can't tell you how many women have been so fearful once they've started down the journey of self-growth that they stop because they're like their partner starts getting kind of like antsy. Oh, yeah. Because change is happening. Change is happening. They can see it happening and it's uncomfortable. It's It gets uncomfortable for the partnership or the couplehood. And, you know, when one person is growing and the other isn't, is it sustainable Well, I would argue yes. I mean, in some cases, right? Because how Austin and I grow, right? We both grow, but we grow in two totally different ways. You know, and so again, I'm talking about our container of love, right? Like this kind of ever growing, ever expanding container that we offer to each other. It's there's a freedom there. There's an open handedness. There's a witnessing on each side that continues to take place of each other as individuals and as couple. Yeah, it's like an exploration I almost get like, right, there's no parameters, there's no invisible fences, as you say, right? Well, there's, here's the thing, there's his life, there's my life, and then there's our life together. Yeah. And at no point do, like the second kind of like, I feel like I'm sacrificing my life for our life, it's not working anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's compromises, but there's not sacrifice. Like, and that's interesting, right? Because I'm saying it out loud and I'm catching myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, it so goes against what I was taught, right? But like, yeah, do we make sacrifices when we are in relationship with people? I don't know. I think I need to look up the definition. I know. I know. Exactly. Yes, I'm going to compromise with you on this, right? I'm going to meet you. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I'm going, well, all right, let's find out. So sacrifice. I always think of like the sacrificial lamb. Okay, this is hysterical. An act of slaughtering an animal or person or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine or supernatural figure. Wow. The la- I mean, as much as I love the man, the last time I looked, he was not a, he is a God in his own right, but you know what I mean. But you're not going to sacrifice yourself in that Well, but this realm. is really interesting, it right? Is. And so then it says a verb to offer. Okay, wait. So here's another one. An act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. And here's the piece. There it is. Here's the piece. It's like neither person is more valuable or their dreams or desires more valuable or more worthy than mine. Exactly. Right? They're equally as valuable. They're equally as worthy. Okay. And same for women out there who are raising children. Again, I'm going to assert this is that 
you get to actually have a dream for your life and a purpose for your life in addition to raising children. It's like raising children is an additional gift. It's a plus. It's a bonus, right? And there are probably women out there like, bonus? My ass. Just kidding. (laughs) But you know, it's like we do not sacrifice our lives for the family that we're raising. That is just not how I see it, right? And again, you know, feedback, welcome, cries of outrage, whatever. But it's interesting, right? Because they talk a lot about sacrifice now in this definition is in terms of Christ's offering of himself in the crucifixion. Okay. And so this is where religion and gets recollapsed on top of love. Because, you know, it's like, we can talk about Jesus, okay, again, as, as a figure who gave his as the story goes, as the faith goes, you know, who gave his life for the love of humanity, right? To save us from our sin, whatever, whatever the story is around that. I'm not, I'm not here to agree or disagree. What I am here to do though, again, is just kind of let's uncollapse some of these from, you know, living on top of each other and look and see like, is kind of love and sacrifice collapsed on top of each other because I think that that's where a lot of we're doing ourselves a lot of disservice if if we are collapsing well how about this if you loved me yeah that's just a friggin bullshit setup right if you loved me if you loved me you would right if you really loved me (laughs) yeah like just notice it Notice how that feels. Well, where do you want to go with that, though, Andrea, in terms of an example? Because it is interesting. It's like sometimes it is the wake up call for us. Like, if he loved me, he wouldn't encourage me to stay small. Right. Like, because that for a lot of women is kind of like, that's the litmus test, right? Like, why is it that when every time I'm being a little too loud, he shoots me a look? Right. So, so the inflection, right, the of, of the statement that's where you're doing great today, going to the underbelly of all this, by the way, because that's where we want to go. We want to stir it up. So I was saying it from, you know, the context of, well, if you loved me, you would sacrifice your arm. Yeah. You would, right? Well, you, or you would sacrifice your dreams for mine so right. that I can go out and accomplish and exactly. and bring home the paycheck and make the money and invest in the properties and right? And be the decision maker while you stay home and raise the kids or however that looks. And if that's an agreement, by the way, because you both have the same goal, there are people that that's those roles work and they have the same overall goal. Right. And I, and I also want to make sure here that I'm saying that there are also those of us that our dream was and is to raise a family and that is more and it than looks enough very traditional app 100% so this isn't to invalidate that either it's right. to say i'm more about poking those of you that are living small inside relationships well, however it's framed yeah right yeah exactly exactly so to go where you were like well what if it's like well if you loved me you actually wouldn't try to put me in this teeny tiny box, right? And not be able to go and have self-expression in and take this class or 
take this job offer or go do this dance recital or go to right notice right where it starts to feel like there are actually laws rules and regulations well and here's kind of an interesting way to go back to this teaching women about self-love and belonging to ourselves because here's a litmus test you know if somebody is asking us to choose them over ourselves How does that translate? So here's the thing, right? Actually, if I'm forced to choose between someone else's needs before my own, right? Like meaning an adult, right? I'm not talking about my children. Right, right. Then I'm always going to choose me first. That's a really hard thing for a lot of women to hear. Yeah. Because they initially go to like, well, well, that's selfish, right? And we've been taught that selfish is bad and selfish is wrong and selfish isn't love. And actually, that's not true yeah. at all, at all. In fact, that's a myth that I want to bust because it's getting in all of our way. Yes. Because 100%. it's a setup. It's a setup. It's like... It's kind of like the setup of, you know, if you loved me, you would, right? It's like, mm -mm, no, that's actually not love. Right. So it's what we're offering is so powerful today in hopefully inspiring women to, and any men of you that are out, any of you men that are out there too listening, really that inquiry around, well, what is love and how am I loving and how am I being loved? I mean, is it working for me? Truly? Yeah. yeah. Right? Like that's big. Because then it's, that's where then truth comes in. Right? Oh, what have I been pretending not to know? Yeah. So you use that expression and I love it and I know what it means. Yeah. But I'd love you to kind of like yeah. explain. So, yeah. What am I pretending not to know? So the word pretending means that there's actually something that you know, and it's buried. So for deep. me, so I'll give an example. For me, it was, I knew years before I actually pulled the trigger that my marriage was not working and that it was highly unlikely that anything that I was going to do was going to make it work. Okay. So now great. So what was the pretending? Well, I was pretending, I was pretending that it was working. I was pretending to keep making it. I, I continued to make it look good so that I could feel like it was working. And yet I had a knowing underneath that it, that I could build and like make it look beautiful. Right. And it would still be kind of like ruptured on the inside. Yeah. So pause. This is great. So you said something that's so perfect. So the pretending not to know, I was working at you know, making it look like it was working so that I could feel like it was working. You use that language. So I'm grabbing that because this is great. Here's the key. That's pretending pretending. not to know because you are not actually feeling Mm -mm. anything in what is true for you. No, you are deflecting and making 
up a feeling. This is how visceral it was for me. He would come into the driveway after being away for a week and I would literally feel this like weight come over my heart. Yeah. And it was like it was truly like putting on a mask because I was so dreading that that was the word. I was mm. dreading the pretend, mm-hmm. the pretense mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was no room to breathe. There was no ability for me to connect in a place of truth with him. And it had been that way for so long. You know, there had been there had been so many signs, even from day one, you know, which is another kind of conversation, but I just kept stepping over it, stepping over yeah, it. Yeah, and yet over it's it. the same conversation. What mm-hmm. are you pretending not to know? Oh, I was pretending for a long, wow, long right? time. So that's the inquiry, you know, around what are you pretending not to know? It's like actually your inner divine knowing. Right. Like your, your soul, your soul knows is the thing. She knows. She knows the truth. And she's probably been kind of like, yeah, she's just buried knocking on the back door for a long time. And she's buried. She's buried with living on the surface of life. Right. With all of those shoulds. Yep. And all of those layers of protection, Mm -hmm. which is again, more of that racket and where we're we're living it backwards, right? We're confused, thinking that keeping everything copacetic and looking pretty and under wraps, and this is what love looks like, this is what it should look like. Like, it all is so pretty on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. That that is where we're going to be happiest, yeah. Like we're convinced of that. Well, and, and I want to go back to, you know, you were acknowledging me for like teaching you something about love. You know what I love what you taught me is that love can be messy. It's interesting, right? Like you <laughs> taught me, you taught me that it can be messy and I taught you to stay, stay in the mess, right? Yeah. But it's interesting because when I think of like, you know, my relationship now with Austin, which is now like, I'm like, wow, I can genuinely say that you know, even after 10, 11 years refusing to marry the man, right? Like, like that we were kind of, I, I joke that we're eternally engaged, but that I feel more married to him than the marriage I had. And that there's so much life and love here, right? And there's a dynamic and it's like knowing that at times we get really messy with each other. But what I love about what I love about our love is that we are able to stay in the mess with each other and be that witness, like meet each other, be seeking yeah. to understand each other. And cause it's true that like sometimes we outgrow our partner or we see something that we hadn't seen before, or we realize we've been pretending not to know something and it only shows up when it shows up. Right. And it's at that point that it's like, Oh my gosh, like when I, I just know enough now in my own kind of evolution that like, if those things get revealed, that's my cue to then come to my partner with it and yeah. say, Hey, look at, this is what, It wasn't my intention that I was, you know, but it's been revealed to me now and I can't unsee it. Isn't that the beauty in that is so simple because it's gotten revealed. Then we need to look at it. 
Don't you love that? Yeah. It's like, my God, we need to talk, right? Yeah. Like it's, this isn't working. We got to redesign. And that's this beautiful thing about love too, is that it's not this resting place. Like you're like, it, it can be, but it has movement that there's times for rest and there's times for growth, right? Yes. And, and that there's, and so what we can kind of talk about as we go or deepen this conversation with more, with more time later is kind of like what it looks like to actually redesign when we get to that point in our relationships or our, where we've outgrown a, a relationship, but there's still love there is yeah. to redesign. Right. Right. Yeah. So I love, thank you so much for this exploration. It's been so cool because I don't think either of us knew where it was going to lead. No, we didn't. I mean, what is love? I mean, I think that this is another topic that just can go on and on and on in its exploration, right? But yeah, just consider, consider what is love for you, right? Yeah. And as always, more will be revealed. More to be revealed. In celebration of our podcast launch, Andrea and I would like to extend a special offer for $100 off our Loving Yourself Well e-course. Please go to jointherevelation.com and enter podcast 100 at the checkout. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.